Hello, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Dave. I'm here with Emily. As Emily chuckles at me trying to do my podcast voice. You I really you do all. have a podcast voice. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a special treat today. Alad Ben Israel is back. And a lot of you know Alad. He was the creator of the AWS CDK. If you've done anything with DevOps or infrastructure as code, Alad is probably someone you've seen online. He is an educator, a philosopher, just an incredible human being. And we were talking offline about everything that he's doing now to simplify the idea of infrastructure and writing code and cloud and the timing of everything. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Alad, thank you so much for coming back on the show today. Thank you, man. It's great. Sweet to see you guys and be back. We just talked about like, wait, what, what was the episode that... Uh... You were episode four and five, and we are at, as of this recording, we have 93 episodes. So you were fundamental in those early episodes. And I, I thank you for for taking a chance on us and, and coming and, on the show. And, and four and five implies that I, I can't shut up, right? So <laughs> be honest. We, we all have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it was amazing. It's amazing. It's really amazing to see, like, you know, to, to look back and uh, see what you guys have built here. Yeah. So why don't we talk about you and, and I'm going to put in the show notes, episode four and five, but let's take us back to just your inventor spirit, your time, you know, you've been in tech a while. For folks who aren't familiar of AWS CDK, the vision for that and then what you've been up to since then. So I've always been the annoying, you know, the dev in the team that's like building all the, creating all the build scripts and the, you know, setting up the development environment and getting things to work really well and improve iteration speed and shoving all their like prototype tools to everyone in the team so that they, so I've always done that, right? Like since I was about 10 or so, and I was super lucky and fortunate to kind of like have my, you know, planets align at some point when I was uh, working at uh, Amazon in at A9, the Amazon uh, search team building. Yeah. We, we were kind of re-architecting the search cluster and we created a team that built this internal system that uh, read all, basically got the uh, all the website events for amazon.com. So basically all the order events. Wow. Clicks. So it's like a big data streaming type system. And as usual, I'm like trying to build this thing and I'm we're, we're using CloudFormation. I'm, and I'm using CloudFormation in like, hardcore production real you know in the first for the first time with a system that needs to like scale very well from day one almost right like it's i i'm i can't build something without true constraints right like i can't build something with like fiction fictional constraints the worst the worst design you know the worst design uh, 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 debates are always hypothetical it's like what happens if we have this amount of users but what happens if we have users coming from so this was really fun because it was like very concrete, right? Like we had to like serve Amazon.com website uh, from day one, multiple regions, multiple accounts, right? Like all of the hard problems at this from day one. And so we were like, we use CloudFormation, we use all the best practices. And, and as I was using CloudFormation and trying to like model these complex systems, I realized this is not 
the right way to express this complexity because CloudFormation is basically YAML, right? Or JSON and, and these formats, these the language that I had to describe my system is basically some kind of a list of resources and for each resource, you know, what are the properties of the resource? So it's like just not, it doesn't have a model behind it. And the system is complex, right? Like it has multiple multiple uh, logical units and each logical unit is connected to the other one. And I wanted to test these in isolation. I wanted to deploy them across, across uh, re regions and blah, 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 blah. Long story short, we ended up building this, this uh, internal tool that in Java that synthesized these CloudFormation templates, right? Like, so you write code in Java and you output CloudFormation. And one of the interesting things about this tool, and I think this is kind of like the, you said, invent, basically kind of like the magic moment in a sense for yeah. when, when things are, I, I took a lot of lessons I think, you know, in my subconscious, took a lot of lessons from my Microsoft days at that time. Uh, I spent about five years at Microsoft uh, and learned so much at, at Microsoft about software design and class, class library design and abstraction design. I feel like that's definitely where Microsoft is, you know, investing a lot, has kind of created an amazing culture, engineering culture. And yes. to me, it was an amazing school. And I think at that point in time, it was clear to me that when we're creating this model f that synthesizes to cloud formation, the model needs to be composable. There must be some composition story so that I can take two, two components and compose them together into a higher level thing, right? Like to me as a developer, that's, not, that's like a, that's the basic uh, capability you need from any framework because otherwise it's not extensible. Otherwise you can't, you can't reuse, right? Like all those amazing things that you can do with software, they they are enabled by composition. And so in this prototype, in this internal tool, the, the coin constructs, we coined the term constructs. That's I what didn't know that. were born, basically. Yeah. And I even remember this conversation about the name, right? Like it was kind of like, and eventually it's all names, right? Like there's nothing but the name. And I actually think it's a beautiful name and it, it's really perfect for what it's describing and i remember we're like yeah should we call it unit or box or component or you know there's a bunch of kind of like overly used terms that describe this idea of comp composition of components and then we and then i it, it was, was someone in my team is like how about a construct and i was like wait nobody's really using this term for anything in the software world is like mind-blowing because it, it's almost the first term you want to use for for something like that right like it's such a such a good term you know matrix i don't know if you know that there's a matrix analogy for the construct right yeah and that's where the, the term was coined and the programming model was created and the fact that it was a composable programming model was instrumental to to the success of this of this framework right like of this idea and it was really valuable within this project. It actually really accelerated our way to like deliver it. And, and then what I did is basically just like wrote a press release, like a good, good, good Amazonian and started uh, pitching the press release across Amazon. I literally went and met, met a bunch of VPs and a bunch of, you know, leaders. And it was actually really an amazing experience. Like it was super easy to, 
access people and people were super interested to hear. And it was really positive experience, kind of like the Cinderella story of the, (laughs) of the press release. (laughs) I'm envious of that. And I'm, I love that this was, that CDK was born out of a need to do something else that you were already working on. I think that I I didn't realize that. And it makes complete sense that of course you, you ran into a wall and you're like, okay, we can do this better. Yeah, I think all good tools eventually are born this way. Uh, and, and, and you know, some I remember sending that email to Mitch Garnett. Do you know him? Uh, he, he's the guy behind Bodo. He created Bodo, oh, wow. uh, which is, Amazon, you know, AWS's uh, Python SDK. And, and then he joined Amazon and brought Bodo with him. And that became Amazon's like official SDK. So he was a kind of wow. like one of the, one of the first kind of real SDKs for AWS. It was, uh, became a pretty big open source project. And then Amazon, uh, brought him in and he became like, a one of my mentors and an amazing principal engineer an amazing guy. And I remember the email response from him. Uh, it was like, this is interesting, dot, dot, dot. And for me, as a, you know, senior engineer somewhere on the other side of Amazon is like, this guy in developer tools built this SD, you know, Python SDK and the community and like, and I was like so excited and I, and I flew over to Seattle. I was in San Francisco back then. I flew over to Seattle and basically went to, uh, the director of developer tools back then, uh, Ken Exner and um, I miss Ken and, and, yeah. and Ben Walters were there. If you guys uh, remember him and Mitch and I remember sitting there and basically pulling up the press release and pulling, pulling up, pulling up the code for this project. It's like the, the most of the, most of the meeting was basically kind of like a code review. And, and, and it was like, you guys see this like Java code that you totally understand what's going on is like new VPC, new bucket, and the bucket is connected to the VPC and the Lambda function is connected. Like all of this is like modeled through object oriented APIs, which is easy to read. Everybody understands them. And then I'm like running this thing is like opening the cloud formation template. And it's like 400 resources with like million dependencies between everything and then i'm changing one thing on the code and recompiling and the output is like changing four four different places in cloud formation and it's all it's irresistible right like you see this is like of course of course we need to give our customers this right. right it feels like magic and it's one of these things that feels so obvious in hindsight because you're watching it and then realizing just how complicated all the manipulation is on the, the back end. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things too, a lot is, you know, coming from that same org where we met in developer tools and, you know, in, de- in developer experience now, I consistently get asked by other teams where CDK is a model, where how you share things, right, is how you made it open source and you gave it to the community and it was out there. And what I consistently remind people is, what pain are you removing? Because really, that's what you did. It was a process in a very powerful tool like CloudFormation. You saved people time and you allowed them to do things. And that's really what became the no-brainer. Every programming language, I've been doing a lot of uh, episodes on Rust lately. I'm just fascinated with it and I've been having a lot of fun with it. And I've been thinking back, you know, just the type of personality I am of 
the the real leaps for me in excitement, joy, engagement, and a wanted learning was always when I could do things where it was almost like zero point energy, right? Where I put very little in, but I had maximum output. And I think that was the brilliance of what CDK delivered is it met people where they are in languages they were familiar and it saved them time. Can you talk, was there something growing up, or if you don't mind me asking just about who you are of that idea of just solving that and giving that back to others? Because, you know, there are people who would just write these scripts and they would make their life easier so they could go home earlier from work. And you looked at it as, I'm going to share this with the entire company and every SDE, and then I'm going to give it out to customers and we're all going to find a better way to do this stuff. You know, that takes a, a, a certain kind of human being. I, I think I've always wanted to build software that's helped people, right? Like to me, it's not, it's all, it was always about people using the things that, I, that I'm doing. Yeah. Because I think that that's why we've built, we created software, right? Like we created yes. software as humans uh, to help us as a tool. Like we, it's always been about tools, right? Like that's how a human evolution, how, how humans evolved, right? Like by creating tools, you know? And so to me, it's, it's always about that, right? Like it's like, I need to build stuff that people actually use. And, you know, as uh, interestingly enough, you know, I, when I started my career at Amazon was in Prime Air, the, the drone delivery project. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And, and I spent two years there. They were so much fun and so interesting. And, you know, we've hacked on, on drones and played with like sensing technology and some really, really cool stuff. But at some point, I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to take many, many more years. <laughs> that was uh, 2014 or five, something like yeah. that. And, 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 and that was the reason I left to work on the search project, because I was like, I really want to build something that people actually use. And that's going to take so many years for people to use this thing. And I don't really have patience for that. I really do want to build something that. And, and then the open source angle, I think, is interesting because to me, open source is almost like the ultimate methodology for building software, right? Like it's the almost the, the ideal of, of iterating all the way, right? Like I think like the, the, beauty of, the beauty of software is that it's malleable, right? Like it's organic and it's changing and it's becoming what it needs to become, you know? And... And with open source, you get you get to the top of you you get to the extreme of that because, in and by the way, in in, in Wing, for example, with, with CDK we were almost there. With Wing, we're actually there. Every commit that goes into uh, the main branch is the is released as it's an and it's a compiler, right? Like it's a programming language. It's not a service. And so I know that we've been doing this with services for a while, but. I think there are not a lot of there are not a lot of projects that are like packaged software that go and ship to like package managers and tooling and and so we're actually literally doing continuous releasing of 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 the code and again it's all coming from this idea of like closing the loop all the way to the user and then getting that feedback cycle to be uh, to keep us on, honest in a sense you know to 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 the max I guess uh one more thought, sorry for, as I said, I'm, I can't, yeah. Uh, something that I realized recently is that uh, I found, I'm finding lots of um, relationships between open source and Burning Man. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I 
love this. This is a talk in the making, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been going to Burning Man for for many years now, and I, but, but there's something about this idea of build of an intentional community of creating intentional communities, right? Because Burning Man is an intentional community. Eventually, uh, it's not a festival. It's not a right. Like it's it's a community. It's about the community. Yeah. And, and open source is the same thing. Open source is about creating an intentional community. So we're creating in, in Wing, we're creating an intentional community to help the, make the cloud a better place to build software. That's the goal of that community. And we're rallying up people that feel that the cloud is not the best place to build software yet. And, and, and that has the shared, shared set of values on how to do this and shared vision and how to do this, which is very much the same as, you know, the Burning Man community. And so I feel like I'm le- I've been learning a lot with that from that analogy because Burning Man is amazing in that sense, right? Like in terms of like the, the, the power empowerment that you get from being part of the Burning Man community and yeah. go to, to Black Rock City and you see this crazy city that's like completely built by a community and you realize it's 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 possible to build big things with communities and I think that mm-hmm. this is exactly what open source is about. Yeah. And I just for Burning Man, I never got to go, but I know people have gone. And what I admire, regardless of what you think about Burning Man, what I've I always admired about it is it eliminates scarcity which is one of the things we've lost in modern times is the reason why everyone is fighting is over scarcity. Mm. And what Burning Man says is, no, we're all human beings. If you're hungry, come over here. I have food. If you're thirsty, come over here. I have water. If you need a hug or love, come over here. I'm going to hug you. And there's something at core of our, of us being as human beings where we know that's how we should be. We shouldn't have half of the population in the world is fine. And the other half is in poverty and starving every single day. And I love how you take that model into open source because really that's what it is, is you're you're moving people forward, you're moving humanity forward, you're moving ideas forward without fighting over scarcity. Totally. I I, I love that analogy. Yeah, and think about, you know, Burning Man has this idea of gifting economy, which is related. And and open source is the same, it's very much the same. You're like, you're donating your time, you're donating your your th- your thoughts, your ideas, your pull requests, right? Like there's something about this model that's very very interesting. I think there's also, by the way, both are burning and and uh, open source. They're it, they're both they can't live in a vacuum. There must be some commercial story. There's some. Like I think that that's another thing. Like Burning Man, there's a lot of criticism about Burning Man and. A lot of it is legitimate, but I think like we have to accept the fact that it wouldn't have existed if there wasn't some, you know, donations and there wasn't some, you know, people wouldn't have invested money and time to get there and to build all those things. And it's the same with with open source, right? Like you need to build businesses without the business and the commercial offerings that those businesses were able to create things to open source, open source wouldn't have flourished. Um, so I think it's really interesting. I mean, I love, I... <laughs> what do you think the balance is there? Because I think these are, you know, if you look at the spectrum of this, it's these sort of polar yeah. opposites that are constantly pushing against each other where you have this sort of community only this, this sort of purest, uh, approach to it where it is purely communal. And then you have on the, this other side, this commercial capitalistic 
pull. Both are necessary, but what is the balance with it? And I feel like we're never quite there. I think it's a dance. I think it's a dance. And I think like we're seeing this happen in the past. We've seen how, you know, the pure open source kind of GPL open source free software foundation kind of created this core of this purest idea, but then it only flourished when we started seeing these permissive licenses in Apache and MIT and like, because it, it enabled businesses to actually use open source to create yes. value that is monetizable. And that is that I call it, it has legs now, like you can, it can actually do something and I think we see nowadays we see uh, some kind of a pullback in in some places with uh, generative AI models and right uh, other. So I think it's it's a dance. I think I don't know that there's a there's a clear definition. I don't know that there's a clear model. We're definitely as a company, you know, we're an, we think of ourselves as an open source company, not because everything we do is open source but because we believe in open source as a way of life, right? Like we believe in open source as a DNA, as a culture, as a way to yes. build things, as a way to like involve the community and contribute back. But we also have to build business. And, and we're definitely kind of talking about that a lot nowadays. And it's been, it's, it's been a very, very live discussion in the team and like, okay, how was the relationship between the wing language and wing cloud and how did they relate? And we'll, you know, who's going to fund all of, right? Like I think, right. and I don't have, you know, answers. I think most of the time it's about, again, I'm, I'm a very bottom up thinker yeah. in many ways. I'm like organic thinker. Let's call it organic more than bottom up. I really do believe in kind of listening and giving those entities that we're creating these open source projects, these companies, giving them and nourishing them and giving them the opportunity to like become what they need to become. And I don't know exactly what they need to become, but I think, I think, you know, our job is to, to listen and to, I don't know, feel, feel aligned. And I think this alignment is something that um, I remember feeling it as in a very, very strong way for the first time when I started the CDK. It was kind of like this feeling of like, I'm exactly where I need to be. Like it was this first time in my career and I've had like a 20 year career before and it was, you yeah. know, no regrets or, you know, like I was like, everything led me up to this like point and that now I'm like exactly where I need to be and exactly what I need to do. And it actually came to like a, a bit of a conflict with my manager at the time because I was just, you know, pitching a CDK for AWS and, you know, wanted to do some more prototyping and prepare for some meeting. And he wanted me to work on something, you know, write some report yeah. about it. It was like, and I literally told him, I'm not going to do this because I think this is more important. Yes. He yeah. was like a bit shocked. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> and I think it yeah. was like probably the first time I've ever done that in my life. It was like so yeah. cool to me where I can bring actual value instead of like writing or it was a report about like, trying to compare Lambda and EC2 as a compute platform. Oh, like, how do you, you're like the... Uh, yeah. Pretty, and pretty you know, sure not... that doc has never actually been written. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Compare them, that's the point. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and not that there's anything wrong with that kind of work, but this is what I admire about you, Alad, is you stood in your purpose. You know, this is the same thing in life. When you, when you are standing in your purpose, serendipity will just happen. 
you'll meet the right people. And I love what you said about open source being a dance, right? It's like, you know, to everything is a rhythm and it's this back and forth motion in this dance. And as human beings, we want things to not change, but then there's a deep part of us that doesn't like the status quo and wants to see change. And it's just that constant being open to that back and forth. Can you explain and talk a little bit now about that maturity and that evolution of you were solving these problems with CDK and now how you're approaching that with the wing language and, and wing cloud. Sure. So I think, I think the CDK was kind of like, again, as I said, very bottom up kind of designer. And to me, the first step was give me a programming language. <laughs> right. I don't want copy and pasting YAML. I don't know how to work with that. I know how to work with programming languages. I know how to work with classes and interfaces and, AP and methods and properties and API design and testing and like that, that I know how to do. And so the first step was basically to realize that there's enough complexity in the infrastructure side of the cloud to warrant powerful tools like programming languages. And that's still a big debate, right? Like I think that there are many people who still don't agree with me about that. But, the, but I'm realizing that the more I'm using the cloud and the more I'm leaning on the cloud and the more application is, uh, applications uh, are leveraging the power of the cloud, the more there's complexity in the infrastructure, which warrants the powerful programming tools. And so CDK was in a sense the, this first step. And, and when I left Amazon, one of the things that was clear to me was that infrastructure is not the entire picture, obviously, right? Like there's also the application. And, and when you look at the serverless world and, and, and you know, it, the interesting thing about the serverless kind of movement in a way, and I'm actually super interested to see exactly the same problems in the Kubernetes space because we're, I'm focusing a lot of Kubernetes nowadays, which is another interesting conversation. But the thing about serverless in, in, the, in, the, in a way is that it's very pure from a cloud uh, architecture perspective because it's basically all the way to, it, it's all the way at the end of the spectrum of like, I'm going to lean on the cloud as heavily as possible. And when you look at serverless applications, they have hundreds of cloud resources that they depend on. But in that situation, there is this, um, let's call it the, 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 the dream of serverless and the reality of serverless in a way. Because the dream, which makes total sense, is like, yeah, I'm just going to pick up, pick and choose all these resources and, and they're going to be part of my application. And now I just write this, you know, some functional Lambda code and they're, in, they're reacting to events. And, and so the dream is, makes a lot of sense from an economic perspective is because I'm basically not doing a lot of those things because other people are able to like give me that value. The reality of that is that we've never been able to create a good developer experience for that story. Like literally, yes. even with the CDK, and I think the last thing we did with the CDK before I left was uh, this hot swapping thing where you can write your Lambda code and there's a watch and it'll just shove your Lambda code, uh, code under the hood be behind CloudFormation. So it'll load, you know, it'll take 15 seconds to load instead of like three minutes, right? Even with that, I think this is, I'm, even with that, I still want to go back to the Borland C++. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
<laughs> and and write my code and compile it and check it check that it's working within milliseconds. Right? Yeah, that's the developer experience I'm I'm after. And and so that's kind of like the reality. And I think a lot of companies are not using serverless because of that because they really cannot give developers the ability to stay in the flow, to actually develop, to actually build their applications because every iteration cycle is too long. And, and if it's, and again, and so what they're trying to do is they're taking the function and they're running the function locally and mocking up the entire world and copying and pasting requests and responses. And, and, and so you look at this, it's like, this is not done, right? Like we really, really need something better because as I said, you know, like for me, it's like, this is not, I'm not going to, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not enjoying this <laughs> as a developer. Yeah. Uh, going back to the CDK, uh, so exactly the same kind of energy in a sense of like, okay, we need a better tool here. This is not the we don't have a good tool yet. Like I'm trying to screw up this screw and I'm using the wrong screwdriver and I'm sweating and it's breaking <laughs> and I have to like stitch it together with some band aid or whatever. I love this image. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and so basically, this is where Winglang came from, right? Like Wing Winglang as a programming language came from this philosophy that when you're building applications for the cloud, you need both infrastructure and application code. There, these these guys are married, and we can talk about some nuances to that. But philosophically, it's it's I think it's easy to agree, right? Like it's like I need both my infrastructure resources and my application code, both of them together, this is my application. And so it means that I need a way to express this thing now. I need a way to like describe this application now. And, and the problem is that existing languages are all designed to tell one machine what to do at every point yes. in time. Because that's why we created them, right? Like they created those programming languages to just tell a machine what to do. They solved the problem. They solved the problem we had at the moment. Exactly. And the, the problem is evolving. Yes. And they abstract, and actually they evolved really beautifully to abstract the idea of a computer of a computer as a machine, right? When I build an application in in, in Node.js or in Java or in Python or in Rust, I don't, and I want to write a file. I don't care if this file is on Linux or in Mac or what file system I'm using. I have all these abstraction layers. And I can just write a file and the file is written magically. And that's true for quite a lot. The, the surface area is quite big, right? Like I can spawn processes and I can allocate memory and I can uh, use network. And like I, there's this basically this, this definition of what is a computing platform. And the fact that I have this definition gives me the ability to actually write my application without thinking about the platform. It needs, and, and then I can also port my application across these platforms. Yep. And but again, my application contains all of those things. And 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 so what happens in the cloud is that you have both infrastructure and application code, and you have these these uh, program programming languages that are not designed to that they're designed to tell only a single machine what to do. But you're actually building a distributed system, right? Like you're creating this architecture. You have all these resources. They're connected in some way. And then you have some runtime code that's executing on inside Lambda functions or inside containers. And that's my application. And I, I need a way to express that. And we've actually looked at like, you know, how can we express this? Like what's the right primitives to express this? And iterated quite a lot on some designs and ideas. And, and, and we realized that 
I'll give you another philosophical analogy that, that to me really helps. In a sense, a, a existing programming languages only work on the time dimension, right? Like you basically write code and the code is produces a set of instructions and that describes what happens over time, right? Like you start program and then yeah. this happens and this happens and this happens and then maybe there's a loop, but it's still, it's still basically about the time dimension. Now on the cloud, you also have a spatial dimension, right? Like there's also an archi architecture. And so you need another dimension in your programming language. You need to be able to say, this is what's going on in space. This is the structure. I love Dimensions are perspectives. Moving from 2D to 3D. To five, I love exactly. that analogy. You need a different perspective to look down. Yep. Totally. Exactly. And the more I'm like kind of going back to that analogy, it's more like, yeah, it's basically this new dimension that we've added to programming that didn't exist. Like existing languages really don't have the way to express these two, two, two right. dimensions, right? Like it's not, it's not like this, it's like this, right? Like one is basically in space and then one is in time. And, and once you actually do this, and we've actually done this in, in Wing using one keyword. Basically, if you look at Wing, it looks very much like very many other languages, kind of like TypeScript mixed with Java, mixed with .NET, mixed with Swift, mixed with, you know, trying to get take create something that's like clean and concise, and definitely a lot, some more work to do. I'm not loving it yet, but there's one new keyword, and that one new keyword is called inflight, and and that idea of an inflight is basically we've got preflight and inflight, preflight is basically the infrastructure definition, right? This is what I'm doing before I'm taking off, right? Like, it's like, okay, this is, this is where the bucket is, and this is where the function is, and that's how they're connected and blah, blah, blah. So everything that you would normally do in CloudFormation or Terraform or CDK or Pulumi happens on the pre-flights phase. Yes. And then when you run a runner, when you run and describe what's going on inside the container or inside the Lambda function, you're, you're basically creating, let's say, a code closure, you know, like in JavaScript, or, and you add a modifier in flight, which is kind of like an async function. So, you know, when you're creating an async function and you say async something, and in a sense, in flight is a sort of a distributed async function, right? Because it's something that it, this code block is going to run asynchronously. It's going to run later, right? It's a promise to execute something. Yeah. But it's also run in a different place, not just at a different time, because it's going to run in this Lambda function that's running on the cloud. And so this one keyword is basically everything, right? Like it's basically this distinction between my infrastructure definition, the space dimension, and the thing that's run inside that's running inside the function, which is the time dimension. And then the compiler understands everything. And so the compiler, so one cool thing that we can do is like, if you do bucket.put from inside an inflight closure, it will say, okay, so I guess this Lambda function needs an uh, put object permissions for this bucket. And it's the first time we actually have a single compiler that sees both my runtime code and my infrastructure. And so I don't need to specify I permissions anymore because right. my compiler already understand. I already told my compiler that I need to perform a put operation. There's no need for me to go back and do it again somewhere else, right? Because that's a single unified model. This is incredible. <laughs> I love this. I forgot how how talented you are. I really enjoy hearing you speak about technical topics because you it's almost poetic. 
like the way it's true. You're, you're incredibly talented at this, but this, uh, that can, makes complete sense. And I love the, it's not a new paradigm. Like I think we all kind of understood this, which is kind of the brilliance of, of wing, but understanding that this is what this is actually solving and, and pulling this off is really impressive. We're just getting started. I mean, we I have, we're not even in beta. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean you can. I don't know if you had a chance to like look. Check out the check out the winglang.io website. There's like a little video of a demo. Yeah, I have your YouTube video uh, demo that you do too. I'll include all that in the show notes because I know developers are going to love checking this out. Yeah, I'd love to hear what people think. I think it's like we're we're actually at a stage where we can build stuff with Wing already, and we're starting to build actual services with Wing, and we're so excited yeah. and frustrated. <laughs> At <laughs> the same time, is like we actually have a team and they're building a service. And we said, okay, they're going to build a service for me. And then team leader is like, are you sure we want to build this service for me? Because I can't, I literally can't estimate how long that would take. Uh, because there's always, you know, this dual dependency model is not a good thing. Uh, but but also it's it's also super exciting because uh, I I already see this. There's something about how did you describe the zero point uh, zero point energy yeah you're, you're you're getting out more than what you're putting in yeah and and it's like it's like visceral when you're using wing and especially if you use the cloud previously is like there's something about the developer experience that we're the, that, that we're able to create uh that's that's amazing like it's it's to me i'm i'm still super super excited about it because it really does get get us back to the point where we can iterate in on at millisecond level on the local machine and we haven't talked about the abstraction right like i feel like that's another interesting topic because um wing the wing sdk the wing standard library is kind of like a programming languages standard library in the sense that it abstracts the platform, right? Like we talked earlier. And so when you're creating a bucket in Wing, you're actually creating an abstract bucket. You're not creating a specific bucket. And that means that we can actually create a simulator, right? Like, and that's a whole, I think I, maybe maybe we don't have time for that conversation, but we can we can definitely have a, a really interesting, to me, it's an interesting conversation about, can we abstract the cloud, right? Like, can we create right. POSIX for the cloud, which is, Kind of like, we're just gonna yeah, have to have right. you back on, you know. <laughs> yeah. So as you as you go through this trend, like I think all amazing ideas become obvious, right? After someone yeah. thinks about it, and that's what I love about this is when you were explaining to this me to this to me, I was like, wow, yeah, like that's just what we should be doing. And you've also kept two of the philosophies that I've always seen you do is one. It's open source and it, it can deliver to any platform. So you could push this out to CloudFormation. You can push it out to Terraform. And I love that it, you know, it's meeting developers where they are with where wherever they're in the cloud. But then really looking at how developers code. And that whole running and testing inside a local simulator that allows you to look at both space and time between infrastructure and real-time code, I haven't seen anywhere else. And I think that's a real huge leap for developer productivity, you know, in, in, inside there. And, um, that's one of the things, uh, I think developers will really enjoy. Hopefully you get a lot of feedback as we, we, we put these show notes in and people can follow you. Where, where can people follow your stuff online? Not that they aren't already, especially this audience, but what are some of the URLs or some of the things 
where they can follow you online? And then also, what can you leave us with? Like, what's got you really excited for the future in, in this space? So online Twitter might be a good place. Uh, not that I'm not that I'm <laughs> tweeting as much as I want to. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, so Twitter is a good place. The Wing Slack is a great. Um, ah, okay. Yeah, um, and it's open. Everybody's welcome, and you can find me there easily. And happy to chat about anything and talk to anyone. And and I guess that's it. GitHub, you know, if you, put, if you open a pull request for Wing or an issue for Wing, um. I'm going to see it. <laughs> I have one other question before we let you go. To to leave Amazon, which was, you know, obviously it's a comfortable job in many ways, and, and to go off on your own, what were the exciting parts of that? Were you afraid in any way? Like, I'm sure there's other people who are considering this type of move. What advice would you give them as they, as they pursue that? I was there for seven years, yeah. which is a lot. And I kind of felt my job in the CDK was done. It was in. It was kind of like I had some closure because uh, they asked me to write uh, the forward for the CDK book. The, the some a, a, a group of folks of really- yeah, all the heroes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like an opportunity for me to like take a toll and think about the project and what happened and where we are and where I wanted to be and like I actually pulled up some like mind maps I created at the beginning of the project was like amazing to see because you can like literally see how we've covered you know some covered but but it was kind of like yeah I've kind of did what I thought this needs to look like eventually and there's something in in me that really do believe that especially with tools you need to stop at some point like it's not like capitalism (laughs) it doesn't have to continue to grow at some point the tool is doing what it's supposed to do and it's doing it well. And with the CDK, there's always the surface area of AWS and L2s and, and that's a never ending part of the project. But in terms of technology, in terms of like, what is the, what are the building blocks of this solution? I am a POSIX uh, believer, right? Like I'm, I'm coming from the POSIX philosophy, whereas like LS is doing what LS is supposed to do, and that's it. You don't need to continue adding features to LS because it's 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 perfect. And and again, I'm not saying it's there's there's always work, there's always bug fixes, there's always main, you know like evolution. But I think it, to an extent, I felt that my job was there was over, and and it it goes back to this alignment kind of sense of alignment that I felt is kind of shifting a little bit. Because the team has grown and people are independent. There's a, some leadership from the team that needed some space as well, which is, I think, super important. And I'm, like, taking a lot of space, as you as you can see. Uh, and so I also felt it's like, you know, the alignment needs to... And, and then I started talking to some people. And eventually, I think going, going to be a founder wasn't my goal or my intention originally. But as I was, you know, talking to kind of interviewing people across the industry and trying to understand how they're building stuff on the cloud and who's using the CDK, it was kind of like just random networking thing. I realized that I need to do this thing. I, I kind of like had no choice at that point. And, 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 and then I realized that doing it as a founder is a way to achieve that, right? Like it was a, yeah. it was a way to... to to Nate and I don't know that, that I don't know that that's 
a great way to build programming language. VC-backed companies have not built programming languages. The last one, you know what was the last one? Oh, gosh. What? Dave, do you have any... What, which was the last uh, programming language built by a VC-backed company? I can give you a hint. It's the, it's the, it's the, and again, I, you know, I can only hope, but it's the number one programming language in the world. It's Netscape and JavaScript. Wow. Right? Wait, that was VC backed? Netscape was VC backed. Yeah. Yeah. And Dreesen. Crazy. Is that and, how they made it? And, and again, JavaScript's journey is like, the last thing it is, is a sex commercial success, right? So I right. can't really. Um, but in terms of like, it, so yeah, VC-backed companies, I don't know if that's a great platform for building programming language languages. And eventually we're not building a programming language. We're building a business. We're building Wing Cloud and we, ha and we haven't had time to talk about that too much. But, 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 we, but Wingling is, is something that we're, we're contributing to the world. We think it's powerful and useful and we are going to be, you know, the users of it and we're going to shepherd it and, and make sure that it's a great language to build cloud applications. Uh, but we're also building application. We're also building services that will need to, you know, be commercial and hopefully support Winglang as well, right? Like ideally all of this is going to work together and be aligned in some way, but, um, uh, but yeah, so I wasn't uh, ready to be, a f I, I wasn't like intention in, intended to be a founder, but the thing I realized is that the engine of uh, obsessing about this problem and obsessing about improving, you know, making the cloud a better place to build software is the perfect engine to found a company yeah. because it makes everything easy. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go and like pitch to, to a thousand VCs and talk to them about this, uh, this idea because I'm really believe in this idea. And if they don't understand it, okay, I'm just going to talk to some I other people. Like I've, I've always had like this, I always feel like this is, it just makes it super easy because it's like, this is the driver. This is the thing that, uh, I love this. so thank you. That's, that's yeah. great advice. And we will truly have to have you back on as we progress. <laughs> yeah. and, and, that's great. Yeah. We talk. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> your, your, your vision and your passion, uh, and you're standing in your purpose. And I'm just, I'm so excited to see your journey and thank you for everything you do. Thank you for taking this opportunity. I know it's late where you are to, to talk with Emily and I, uh, and that also speaks to, to who you are. So I wish you continued success. Thank you so much for, for taking the time. Thanks guys. Pretty love it. <laughs> Thanks.